There's Rob Rousseau. No one gets that's an neat. intro like that, Rob. I don't know why I did that. That's a nice, you got a nice voice too. It's very oh, kind thanks. of a loungy, yeah. kind of a loungy intro. I like that. It's good. <laughs> uh, Hang on, um, I'm just going to retweet your. I'm going to retweet okay. your little uh, your link here. Retweet my so tweet. folks can watch if they want to. Oh, I'd love that. Thank you. Yeah, that's very thoughtful, Rob. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Dan. Thoughtful guy. Let's just go ahead and check out everything. Make sure it looks good. Here's. Your main scene, if you don't mind, just uh, confirming the info on there is accurate. Yes. Awesome. That is me. All right. We got the 50-50 scene here. That's fanciness. Yeah. And then we can yeah. go back here, too. Uh, and we got the chat. And you don't have to pay. In fact, we I sort of encourage you to not pay attention to the chat and until maybe <laughs> the end. And then we can uh, pull in their questions. Otherwise, we have a nice little tight format. We stick right to it. And then we'll uh, allow you to ask me any questions and tell you... Uh, let us know uh, what's grinding your gears at the end there. Otherwise, I've sent sure. you the most recent format of, uh, of of everything in the questionnaire. Rob, do you have any questions before we begin? No, I don't think so. I went over. I didn't. I don't have like prepared answers for the whole. Oh. I got kind of intimidated by some of the some of the questions. You can pass, <laughs> skip any question. There's not okay. I, like I'm not going to take anything personally. Okay. Nothing serious here. It's it's just all about getting yeah. to know you, introducing you know, uh, you to my audience. And then Rob, really, the main thing is, you know, we're planting seeds for future conversations. This is an hour. We can't fit everything in. But, you know, uh, we've invited you here in the spirit of building leftist unity, strength and power. And I don't think that happens overnight. I think uh, no, it these, uh, these links will take a little bit of while to, uh, to bind. So this is us, um, you know, taking those first steps here. And I really appreciate uh, your willingness to join me today. Buddy, how hi, how are you doing? What's going on, man? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm doing pretty well. It's very yeah. snowy here in Montreal right now. Uh, it snowed the last couple of days, got a couple inches. We had like it was very nice a couple weekends ago. We actually because we have like a back patio thing, we brought out our like patio furniture and stuff. We're getting all set up, and now there's just like a whole there's a bunch of snow. It's not good, yeah. and I don't not nice. when I'm when I mentally move past the winter. It's very difficult for me, Dan, to, to have this, have to return to this and have the cold weather and the snow. I don't like it. And I'm not happy about it. Otherwise, I'm fine, though. Otherwise, I'm fine. <laughs> um, so go ahead and uh, intro yourself, if you don't mind giving us your name and your pronouns, uh, Rob, and then we can go from there. Yeah, Rob Rousseau, uh, he, him. Okay. Um, and if you don't mind doing a little profile shot and then one to the front, just kidding. What do you do, Rob? Where can, uh, where else can folks find you on social media and, uh, feel free to let us know about any projects, professional leftist, really anything, anything going on. This is just yeah. talk about yourself. What do you do? Well, um, you know, I'm a writer, uh, I'm a podcaster. I kind of just do that. I kind of create this kind of content that basically full time now where I'm trying to, uh, most people know me from Twitter. Uh, you can find me there at Rob Rousseau. I'm also now on Twitch as well, a couple times a week, three days a week, uh, twitch.tv slash Rob Rousseau. I'm kind of trying to make that happen. That's been fun, getting in, getting into the whole streaming world. That's what I'm doing. So I have a couple of podcasts. I have a podcast called 49th Parallel, which is mainly focused on Canadian politics. I started that in 2018, and I kind of it was a space for me to kind of talk about whatever was in the news. I kind of whenever it was more Canada focused, I tried to lean in that direction. I kind of wanted to create a space for like people that were in Canada, but who also wanted to hear about America and different international news. Um, around the time of the Democratic primary, I started another podcast with my friend uh, Jordan Ewell, mm. the Insurgents. So, got a couple podcasts. I got the Twitch stream. Got a bunch. I'm on YouTube as well. I got a bunch of. I'm all on all that stuff now, all over the place. Well, I, I should. I should. Be, I should learn from you. I, I, yeah. Uh, I, I need to. I need to spread it out. You know what I mean. Rob, that's well, that's how I got. Really, to know. only people only pay attention to me on the one platform. So it's really maybe it's maybe the joke's on me in this case because it's, very, it's difficult to to build. Once you build one platform, it's doesn't it's not not quite as easy to just like make that happen elsewhere as I'm discovering mm. now. But I'm having fun mm. with it though. Having fun with it. I don't know. From where I'm sitting, I, I think you're referring to your success on on Twitter and having lots of uh, eyes on you there, and and just coming over to Twitch. I I, I think what you're saying is you, you haven't quite enjoyed as much success. I, from where I'm looking, you're doing pretty well. Oh no no, it's no it's great. It's great. Yeah. I don't want to under under no, for that. sure. 
Yeah. But I, 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 I'm not to demean the point or, or diminish your point there. But yeah, I, I can see how it's it's definitely hard to to get. I mean, I'm I'm trying to get my stuff on on YouTube, and it's just, it just feels like a crawl. Uh, so, Rob, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anything else we want to mention? It seems like we've uh, talked a little. You know, to mentioned we've already mentioned what you're up to and what you're doing. Do we want to uh, move along to the leftward bound discussion? Yeah, sure. All right, Rob. So, yeah. Thanks again for being Let's with me. This is great. And uh, uh, I, I, I think I'm, I might have mentioned uh, previously in a previous time that we met, maybe when we did the mutual aid event uh, for Cole James Cash back, I believe, in October. Uh, I think I, I, I let you know back then. That's when. That's when I got to know you from Twitch. Probably. I'm sorry, from Twitter. Probably. I don't know, dude. Eight, ten years ago. I don't know. Um, uh, followed <laughs> you for a really long time uh, with. Uh, with the old account that was banned and um and i don't have another account otherwise that uh, that would get banned too um right <laughs> you're not supposed to do that okay so dude it's really it's really nice to be with you thank you again for being with me let's go ahead and yeah let's move on to your okay uh discussion then our discussion our chat about your leftward bound journey we'll talk about here uh, your your pathway towards leftism or left adjacentism. you don't have to define your ideology your politics in any way you are encouraged to do so if you feel if you feel comfortable doing so how about we just go ahead and start there and see where so we see where it takes us sure man yeah oh yeah so talk yeah talk about your 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 pathway to leftism or towards it right. at least yeah okay well i mean i'm a i'm like an old millennial right i'm in my mid-30s mm. it's probably the last year i'm going to be able to realistically say that i'm in my mid-30s but it's sort of, um so basically, that means that. Wait, when is that you know, year? When I was. Rob, what year is that? What year is what? It, when you like, when does the mid thirties end? I actually don't know how we break break those up. Is it like? Is it like thirty six? I'm saying I'm saying thirty five to thirty seven is still mid thirties. That's what okay, I'm. So that's I got what I'm year, going with. All right, I got a year or so too. Okay, where well, I think we're in the same boat in that sense. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, I okay. can hang on to that. I like it. Thank you. Right. I'm feeling good so, about um, myself. So, yeah, I grew, I grew up in Canada. I grew up in this, this kind of a small town called Brockville, Ontario. Um, very kind of a conservative small town. But uh, just the age that I am now, I mean, you can kind of see just this, the formative things that have happened, like, you know, when I was around 18, uh, September 11th happened. And there's just been this kind of gradual process of seeing all the sort of promises of our generation just kind of continue to not pan out. Um, so it's just been this kind of direct line, all these series of crises over and over again, uh, kind of September 11th, I see is kind of like the end of the end of the end of history era and moving into the, the new era, right. Which led into the Iraq war and Afghanistan and the war on terror. And then it's just been this series of events. Um, you know, the, the financial crisis, uh, Occupy Wall Street and, um, all these different things where I think, like I said, it's like the, the promise uh, of all the things that we were told uh, kind of as kids growing up is that things are going to get better. And, you know, our parents had these great opportunities and you're going to have even more opportunities. And it's just, it's failed to materialize, um, you know, home ownership and a good job and a cheap education. Like, everything's gotten more difficult and more un unattainable. And um, so I guess it's just been a somewhat natural process of seeing these things play out uh, over and over again these different crises and seeing the way time and time again, that it's sort of the ruling class of the United States of Canada come together to protect themselves while kind of leaving everyone else uh, to fend for themselves. And, um, you know, it's been 20 years of this now. And um, I guess, so I was always, I was always fairly left wing just in terms of my natural progression of seeing these things play out. I think um, the, the, I, I became a fan of Bernie Sanders. Cause I've, I've been, I've been watching American politics for quite a while. I don't know if you, People in America, I think they kind of bristle at this sometimes. I'm like, why are these Canadians and other people so fascinated with our politics? And they get very upset at this. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think everyone around the world, I don't think if you're American, you don't really realize what it's like to not be America, American and seeing like American kind of dominate the world stage. Um, getting getting American media kind of blasted into our, uh, our homes via cable news uh, at all times. And, you know, we're all kind of living in this geopolitical reality that America really helped create. Um, so we're all kind of like prisoners of, the, of this. Like we're, we basically all live in America. It's just only American citizens are able to like vote. Um, so, you know, I like everyone, I think talking about radicalizing events and moves to the left. I was in 2008. I was very excited, just like many, many people around the world were about Barack Obama. 
yeah. his election and the possibilities of what that meant. You know, but like George W. Bush was a big radicalizing figure for a lot of people in this generation, seeing kind of the evils of this kind of conservatism of American imperialism, uh, the tax cuts. You saw the you saw the kind of right wing agenda, uh, and it was very. I think it was very radicalizing for a lot of people. And then seeing Obama in two thousand eight seemed like a response to that. It seemed like some kind of compassion and humanity was coming back. Uh, it was very very encouraging. And then it rapidly became very demoralizing when it was became clear that Obama was not really quite the like left wing progressive figure that he had like campaigned as. Um, especially when it comes to foreign policy stuff, and you saw things like the drone strikes increasing, and and a lot of the things that I think uh, people like Obama and and other mainstream liberals had pretended to stand for in terms of like being anti war, because the Iraq war had become so unpopular. You saw how a lot of that was kind of bullshit. Um, as they continued a lot of the really the same practices and a lot of the same people in the media that a few months, a few months or a few years ago were kind of styling themselves as being these kinds of like anti-war types. All of a sudden when Obama was doing these things, it was okay. So this was kind of something that clicked for me where it's like, okay, well, this is not, I don't agree with this either. Um, I don't really agree with this direction. And you saw the kind of the, the limits of like liberalism, especially. Um, and you kind of saw kind of what their values were. So I immediately gravitated to Bernie Sanders. Uh, because in like 2010, 2011, when I became disillusioned uh, with with Obama and and that kind of neoliberalism, uh, it was really refreshing to start listening to Bernie Sanders, who is like you can tell just when he talks that he's kind of not a bullshitter, that he believes this stuff. You can tell he believes it because he's been kind of saying the same stuff for 20, 30 years when it was very unpopular, and he was saying it anyways. That's how you can kind of tell that mm-hmm. that it's not just like a ruse, or it's not he's not just saying something to get people to win votes or to to get people to to pay attention to him. So um, that was around 2010, 2011, 2011 that I became really fascinated with Bernie. And then so it was really in, inspiring and amazing in 2016 when he ran for president and all of a sudden had this big national platform. And I realized that like, oh, shit, there's a lot of people like me that are out there that are sort of in the same age group that are really disillusioned with this, the, the liberal establishment and the way things are going and, and do want to go further, especially in the United States and want want the United States to be better and to reign in a lot of this stuff. So that was really a signal for, I think, a lot of people in this generation that like, oh shit, this is like, there is a possibility of doing something else. It's not just this, this like blood drinking right wing conservatism or, or, you know, this kind of soulless neoliberalism, which is mostly just kind of putting a nice veneer on a lot of the same, the same exploitation and the same, you know, the same terrible system. Um, So that was really, I think that was really exciting that 2016 campaign and then it was also very radicalizing Donald Trump's election, election, and seeing like the possibilities of the future of America and what that could lead to. So, really, it's been a process. I think since 2016 of taking a lot of the stuff that I already sort of believed, and uh, going even further with it, and starting to read a little bit more, especially read a little bit more history, a little bit more theory, and start to say like, okay, how far can we really push this? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so that I mean that brings us up to now, yeah. and obviously it's been kind of a it's been a very disappointing and frustrating year, I think, because I spent, I spent, you know, that entire Trump era really believing that Bernie was going to run again in 2020 and he was going to win. Like, I really believed that. And I really continued believing it up until it did not happen. And that was obviously a very disappointing and frustrating uh, experience, kind of seeing that not work out, as well as the Corbyn campaign. Uh, you tell me you didn't win. I, I should take this line down. Fuck. <laughs> well, you got to keep the dream alive. Why didn't they tell me? You no one gave the- me the memo. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's it. And now I'm just I'm finding myself uh, like I think a lot of people are um, trying to figure out kind of what to do next and where like if you're a, kind of consider yourself on the left, like what are we supposed to do now? It was kind of it was kind of a big moonshot. This idea of like possibly winning the presidency of the United States or possibly be- winning the uh, uh, prime ministership in the UK, uh, and it, it was. I guess that's the kind of disappointing thing right now is around 2017, it really felt like these were real possibilities that, that might happen. Mm. So this year has been really difficult, I think, seeing these things kind of not materialize to the same way. Um, seeing the left, uh, such as it was, that has kind of come together over the last couple of years and was more or less united uh, in kind of pulling in the same direction, all these disparate factions seeing that kind of devolve back into kind of like inviting and, and the kind of typical bullshit that has plagued the left for literally you know, generations and generations. And so I'm just kind of at the moment trying to, trying to figure out like, you know, what we do next. And I'm, I'm a little bit at a loss for what that's supposed to mean, but I'm just, I'm just kind of going in and trying to do the, the work that I do, creating uh, 
you know, engaging content for people and trying to analyze this stuff and speak to people about how I think uh, things are going. And I don't know. I don't know where we're supposed to go from here, but kind of that's where that's where we're at right now uh, in twenty twenty one. Rob, I that was pretty out. long-winded. Sorry. If no, I was like- that's fine. I'm, I'm trying to figure out everyone's pathway left. I sort of blanked out there. And I think you said you're a Canadian and you're jealous of Americans. And that's why you're a leftist. And that's a that's great right. story. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty much the point of that. The point of all that. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I wish I was American. I like people to think that I'm American. Yeah. And uh, that's pretty much it. Sounds that's like the pretty beginning much of a villain that. story, Rob. <laughs> yeah. Kind <laughs> of. Uh, no, a lot of fascinating shit in there. Very uh, many, many layers to that on, uh, to that onion, Rob. Um, yes, and you touched on a lot. It's not going to make you cry. Uh, I've I've already cried twice today listening to uh, Neighbor Wave, which is um, um, uh, Mr. Rogers Lo-Fi. So I'm 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 done. I'm cried out. I'm, I've got nothing <laughs> okay. left today. You can't. Okay, n- nothing could touch me at this point. Um, right. So uh, honestly, we planted a lot of seeds. I think with that, uh, and and I'm I'm hoping to plant some more seeds. Like I said, and bring you back on sometime. Continue the conversation. Allow uh, more important voices than mine, like yours, to come on and and explain things uh, to to the small brains like myself. So um, yeah, I, I I I'm looking at literally all these notes that I took, and I'm like, okay, wow. This is this is a lot going on there, and I, I relate to a lot, and I think a, a lot of our viewers will as well. Let's keep digging in, Rob, if that's cool. Unless you had anything else you wanted to add oh, in terms good. of uh, no, no, let's go. I, I don't, I don't. I'm sorry, I don't mean to uh, move us along. <laughs> uh, 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 I, I don't want to push this along. This is uh, going just fine and at a perfect pace, Rob. Now, what I'd love to ask. Rob, are there any other specific aspects of politics theory? I know you mentioned you started reading theory um, uh, or history. Yeah, a little bit. Same with me, just a little bit. I don't (laughs) want to be a baby leftist forever. Um, Any other personal experiences, anything uh, like that, that uh, you could point at uh, if you'd like to, that helped to pull your heart or mind to the left? I mean... um... Yeah, that's what I don't want to overstate the extent that I've been kind of reading uh, stuff. I mean, I definitely have, but I also think that that can cre- that can kind of create an artificial barrier for some people, where, where people can feel too little, too intimidated, and feel yeah. like they're not they're not really part of this movement if they don't you know do all this homework, which I don't think yeah. is is super helpful. There kind of has to be a balance between that. Okay. Um, but I don't think so. I, I think the main thing, like I said, probably probably the Iraq War was the singular most like radicalizing thing for me. Um, so I think just being part of like the anti-war movement and, and, and reading about anti-imperialism and, and trying to understand that and the ways, especially that like, um, not only America carries out this kind of stuff, but Canada as well. I think people that live in Canada can have this very false idea of the values that Canada has because we're so close to America and when the proximity to America and the crazy ongoing disaster and the, the, of, of everything that's happening in America always has given people in Canada a really distorted view of like what our values are and all this stuff. Mm. Um, and we can easily say to ourselves like, Oh, we didn't go into Iraq and we didn't, we, we don't really participate in the same kind of uh, imperialism, but yeah. really when you start digging into it, we really do. Um, and so that's one thing that I've really been trying to focus on also the last couple of years is not only, you know, thinking about America and talking about it, but also trying to make people in Canada understand that a lot of the same social problems uh, and a lot of the same issues that we have with our ruling class and what their values are and the exploitation and the violence, um, we participate in all the same stuff as well. It's just sometimes the volume might be turned down ever so slightly, but that doesn't mean that that Canada is this kind of nice, your nice friendly neighbor to the north, you know, that kind of bullshit. Like that's basically a marketing campaign mm. that a lot of people believe, even here in Canada. So that's been kind of one of my main things over the last couple of years is not only just focusing on on the United States, but also trying to raise awareness of people in Canada and outside of Canada that this country is not really like doesn't really meet the the standard that we kind of project out to the world and a lot of people believe. Uh, you've mentioned imperialism a couple of times. Any any specific books or anything that uh, you might be able to suggest? I know. And we could shy away from that question. I, I know you mentioned like we don't want to like uh, imply that anyone anyone has homework. And I love that point, Rob. Really insightful and thoughtful. Thank you for saying that. Well, I would definitely say um, Black Shirts and Red is by Michael Parenti. Uh, it, was a, My... it was a book that I would recommend every single person check out. Uh, I really like Michael Parenti. Yeah, buddy. Um, I think some Michael Parenti is someone who at the height of the Cold War was able to go out and really say shit that, that no one else was really – 
was really saying and, and like you know defending these places that which, which was all american media was was you know united in convincing people were these these lawless uh you know evil places um and i think there's something really valuable in that um especially as we kind of careen into this new cold war situation uh with with china i think reading about um reading michael parenti is a good way to sort of like uh, not let yourself be pulled into that um, mindset, that kind of imperialist uh, mindset, or the kind of the uh, Western chauvinism, uh, which I see a lot actually, like on this sort of yeah. online streaming left, and I I don't really like it. I'm kind of trying to push back against that. So I recommend that everyone check out Black Shirts and and Reds. Absolutely. Awesome. I'm so sorry. I pulled up that lecture, and it was the color corrected version, and I just, I just don't like version, that yeah. version. I want my yellow perenni. <laughs> yeah, you got uh, the yellow perenni. I feel like I'm at home now. Yeah, yeah. That's wonderful. I mean, this is this is so this the, just the speech is so great with the stuff when he talks mm-hmm. about uh, you know literacy programs. I've been talking a lot about literacy programs lately in places like Cuba um, because we saw. I don't know if you remember in the in the presidential primary, Bernie Sanders, the day after. Bernie Sanders won Nevada in this like amazing victory, very like inspiring. It really looked like he was on the the golden path to winning the nomination. Mm -hmm. And basically the media at that point went all in on trying to block this from happening. Mm -hmm. And the whole media narrative immediately after Nevada was about Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders in the 1980s praised Cuban literacy programs. Wow. Can you believe this disgusting individual? Uh, and when you see Parenti uh, and they're praising these programs and talking about how important they are, you understand why it is important that we need to do this. Um, mm-hmm. And you and um, and a number of other ways that he that he in the speech that he that he covers all these uh, these angles um, in a way that I think anyone can understand. Like we talk about doing homework and stuff, it's not like Parenti is someone that it's a it's this impossible to understand academic lingo. He sounds like a like a working class dude who can, mm-hmm. can get across these very complex ideas. Uh, in a very straightforward way, uh, which is what I think I really appreciate about that. It's something I try to I try to bring myself in the kind of commentary that I do. Well, that's great. And and again, like I, I, I paint myself as someone who who turned myself into a Marxist by watching videos on YouTube and Michael Perenni being uh, one of them. Uh, this is this was an important lecture to hear. Um, yeah, definitely got to watch it in yellow, though. Yeah, absolutely. You got to have the yellow Parenti. And that's why when you subscribe to my channel on Twitch, we have the exclusive yellow Michael Parenti emote, which is not available elsewhere, anywhere else on nope. Twitch is the only place you can get it. I, I, wa- I was about to make that emote and I'm like, <laughs> nope, that's Rob's emote. I'm not biting on Rob. Although I will play a train video from time to time. Okay. Well, feel free to, that's, that's not my thing. That's, I don't have exclusive <laughs> dominion over that. <laughs> All right, no Rob. royalties though with the emote though. That's much, I have a copyright on that. Okay. Uh, we, we My team of out. lawyers got on that. So we, we could really work out a deal. Is that right? All right. Possibly. Um, we'll talk about it. Yeah. We can take okay. that off mic. Okay. Very good. Um, <laughs> I'm seeing so, some yellow parentheses in the chat as well. I love it. I love it. Um, so then Rob, Rob, if uh, in the next category, which is hashtag be best, I don't know. Imagine a younger version of yourself or someone in chat who could uh, perhaps benefit from your life wisdom or knowledge. You know, if you could distill <laughs> it, it all down and give us some goods. What would you tell us today, Rob? Well, the stuff about talking to your younger self. Sure. Is that what you mean? Well, okay. So yeah. I feel very fortunate that I feel like I, when I was growing up, I had a kind of a level of support that I think was really important to me that, that helped me. I, I feel like in my younger self learned the proper lesson uh, that, that I think all younger people should try and keep in mind. Um, and this is something my, this is very cliche. But this is something my mom would always tell me, which is nothing ventured, nothing gained. And okay. presumably the idea, the principle that I've kind of tried to abide by, like throughout my throughout my whole life, uh, you know, my adult life anyway, is just this idea that like if you have big ideas about things you want to do, um, the the one way that you could ensure that you never ever accomplish these things is just to not try to do it because it's too difficult. And you know, there's many things that are like that, and it's like wow, I would like I would love to do X or Y. I would love you know. And it's just, it's very easy to convince yourself just to not try because that's the way that you don't fail, right? But that's also, you know, it's the number one way, the easiest way to just never accomplish anything that you want to accomplish. Um, So I've always just tried to have this mindset and I've tried to um, just when I have these ideas about things that I want to do, whether it's music or whether it's, you know, being able to try to make, make a living talking about politics and the news and stuff, I've always just tried to be like, okay, it doesn't matter that it's difficult. It doesn't matter that like it's, it might not work out. 
the important thing is that you just, if you know, you have to try to do it. It's not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee that everything's going to happen the way you want to. Obviously, a lot of luck is always involved. I was also very fortunate in terms of my upbringing where I had room to kind of like try these big things and not everyone has that uh, that uh, ability also, which is also important uh, for us to keep in mind. But that's, I think, the thing that uh, I would try to impass on, on part on any kind of young per- person, which is just that, you know, the, the number one way to ensure that you're not going to accomplish the things you want to accomplish in life is just to not do it because it's too difficult. Excellent advice, Rob. Beautiful. I think, uh, I think, uh, every, I mean, anyone could get something out of that. You know, uh, I, w- I wonder, there's probably a couple of things that I've prevented myself from doing. Just do it, Dan, just do it. This is one of those shows. I'm like, just do it. And here I am doing it. And it's been yeah, three weeks. Well, it's and the same it feels thing like with me. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. It's kind of the same thing with me. It's Twitch. Twitch was very intimidating to get involved with. <laughs> Um, especially I'm like, I'm an older gentleman as I've been talking yeah. about. So you, yeah, when you yeah. log on to Twitch the first time and you're like, what the hell is going on with this, with all the emotes and all the crazy stuff going on. It's and you're just like, I can yeah. never, I can never get involved with this. It's too ridiculous. Um, yeah. but yeah, that was just one thing where it's just like, that's the, you have to start from somewhere. And whether it's like, it's like that with anything, whether it's having a Twitch channel or a podcast, or if you want to learn how to play an instrument, you want to write a book, a screenplay, a poem, anything. It's just, yeah. you have to start from nothing. You have to start with no talent and no ability and you have to just like make it happen. Uh, and if you don't, then yeah, you, you won't fail. You won't fail at the thing you're trying to do, but you also won't accomplish it either. Like that's just what I've always tried to keep in mind. Um, nothing ventured, nothing gained. What's it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Does it? All right. I got to I got really quickly, uh, uh, pause right here. Hello, Raiders. My name is Dan. I'm joined today with Rob Rousseau on my interview series, Leftist and Chill. I interview lots of people. I've like literally 63 interviews uh, booked for today. My uh, my alerts are off during this time and sound effects, etc. None of the bells or whistles are, are turned on during my interviews so that I can have a nice chat with my uh, my guest. Yeah. And that today is Rob Rousseau who is famous for uh, being a musician. And I think they're on Twitter too. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's pretty much it. Hey, real quick, you are a musician. Someone said they've seen you play in, in UK, is it in in some UK clubs. Is that right? What, am I? Yeah, well, aware? that's- What kind of music yeah, did that's you do? What I, I, talk that's to me what I spent that. most of my 20s doing, basically. From, from, from 18 to like 28, I was just singularly devoted to like playing in bands and doing that. What do you and I uh, got to be a point where I was like fairly, I played guitar. Uh, and I got to a point where I was like fairly successful doing it. Like not, I kind of got to the level right below being like the actually legitimately successful, but like, you know, we, I was played in a band. We had a record, we had a major label record contract. Uh, we toured the UK a bunch of times, toured Canada a bunch of times. We had songs on the radio stuff like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of like what I spent most of my twenties doing in terms of, and also like, you know, working shitty side jobs and going to university and things like this. But okay. And um, I basically retired from doing music, uh, or basically right around t- 2010, like right at the turn of the decade. And I kind of stopped doing that. I kind of quit cold turkey. It got to be kind of a dark time uh, that I had to move on from. Um, and that. it's just funny because that's what that was the position that I was in in like around 2010. And I, all I really had time to do after that was like go online <laughs> and like read Twitter and look at the news and start no. thinking about thinking about this stuff. And I, that's when I became really i was already kind of like politically oriented but that's when i became really kind of obsessive with following the news cycle mm-hmm. and starting to think about it and talk about it and follow this stuff going on so mm-hmm. it was interesting it's like it was basically that started me on this current path that i'm on which is just like uh focusing on on the news and politics and talking about that and trying to take maybe some of the lessons that i learned from from that my my previous career and kind of translate it into this new sort of uh new sort of thing that i'm doing and that's cool rob um I'm glad I asked about that. I almost forgot to ask about your musical career. Career. Um, okay. Well, I'm getting hey. back into it lately. I've been. Yeah. I, I got FL Studio. I've been playing. I've been playing some synth and stuff, making some oh. some epic '80s uh, synth music, which I enjoy. That's cool. Uh, it reminds me of my older brother. He's recently gotten into uh, analog synth stuff. He's got like a whole room. It's really cool. Oh yeah, I, I love that. I don't. I don't have the kind of. I don't have. The, I don't have analog synth uh, yeah. money lying around. I just have my little MIDI controller and a bunch of plugins that I like to mess around with. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Same. So okay. Hey, Rob. This brings us to the leftist inquisition. After which we'll be able to uh, uh, ask what's grinding your gears and maybe feel some questions from the chat. So Raiders, stick around. Thanks for being with me. Thank you again for the raid. Ico rules. Love your face. 
Everyone follow Ico rules. Okay. Um, now, love your face, Ico rules. Love your face. Someone clip that. All right. So, uh, yo, this brings us to the leftist inquisition. Everyone loves this. No one hates it. Um, this is the little questionnaire. It's evolved a little bit. Hopefully, uh, you, you've seen a, a recent version of it. So we're going to start Rob Rousseau with your favorite word. Do you have a favorite word? By the way, you can pass or skip any question. Okay. Um, uh, together. Together. Yeah. I thought about that ahead of time, so it would sound the most insightful and profound and like inclusive. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, I, this, this show I mean, is all good, about right? unity. Yeah. 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 That's I mean, what uh, I mean, okay. Well, well, hold on. What's your least favorite word? Uh, I don't know. Pass. Okay. I don't have Pass. one. That's fine. We could circle back. I love all words. Never forget uh, or forget it. Always forget. Never remember. Except the really okay. bad ones. Not those. That's fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's fine. We could, uh, if you can't say it on screen. Okay. How about, um, <laughs> Rob, do you have a favorite drug or vice or guilty pleasure? Uh, Feel free to name one of each. Um, I'm just I'm a weed I'm a weed guy. Mm, yeah, cheers. And have been for many years. Yeah, and that, uh, you know pretty much I've, um, <laughs> uh, you know I've had periods where I've dallied in different, uh, you know, different kind of vices. Let's say. Sure, <laughs> um, yeah. But I'm no, I, like I said, I'm older now. My 20s were a bit crazy, as I, as I mentioned a couple of times. I'm older now. I like to, un, if it's like a Friday night, I want to unwind. I'll have like, I'll have two of those like flavored Bud Lights. Yeah. <laughs> and then like maybe, maybe a, a bowl or, or two or three. And then I'm good for the whole, I'm great. Nice. And I don't really go beyond that. That's like those like, se- those like seltzer things? I love them. Well, I like the lime, the Bud Light lime. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or what I've been getting lately is the Bud Light strawberry lemonade. Let's go, yeah, dude. <laughs> it's, it's I think very tasty. To... I have no pretensions. I'm I have no pretensions yeah. about being like, Ugh, I don't like that stuff. I'm like I'm 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 again. I'm approaching my late thirties. Let me enjoy my Bud Light strawberry lemonade in my bowl and like just leave me alone. You know, we don't need to have pretensions about this. That is that is so much wisdom. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm like a trained bartender and I'm like, no, dude, whatever the fuck you want to drink is what is what <laughs> is what I'll make for you. And I'll be happy to yeah. give it to you. Fuck yeah. All right. Then, uh, oh, did you, anything else you wanted to mention? Yeah, I think we did the drug vice. Did we mention a guilty pleasure? You don't have to. I don't know. I just want to give you this. I don't really, you know what, you know what, Dan, I don't really believe in guilty pleasures. Like I really <laughs> like, I really love cheesy pop music. And feel like when I was doing music, that's what I became famous doing was cheesy pop music. Um, nice. But like, I really enjoy love like eighties, eighties pop and stuff like that. And I really don't yeah. feel like, I don't think it's, I don't think we should have guilty pleasure. I think if you enjoy something, whether it's pop music, whether it's like trashy reality shows, whatever, just enjoy, enjoy the things you enjoy. You got one life, you know, you got to spend your time doing whatever you want, whether you're, whether you don't need to feel guilty, you don't need to feel bad. Uh, you know, whatever you want to listen to, whatever music you want to listen to, whatever TV show you want to watch, it doesn't matter. Just enjoy it. Or when it comes to movies and stuff like that, like you can say, like, you know, talk about being anti-war, anti-imperialist. You realize like a lot of American movies, especially, especially in like the genre that I really love action movies. And a lot of it's very like serious, like pro-American, pro-imperialist propaganda. And you can, you can still enjoy that. I guess that would be the closest thing that I would say to like, as a guilty pleasure is enjoying shit like 24 or things like that. Yeah. And, but my, my position on this stuff is, is that you can still, you can still enjoy that stuff guilt-free, but you do kind of have to think critically about it and understand why it's bad and why it's harmful. You can still find something entertaining. Like 24 is a good example, which is incredibly harmful. It's incredibly, yeah. it's like basically like fascist propaganda 24, but I also just, it's just enjoyable. It's well-made. It's well-written. Yeah. It's got a good hook. It's a good show. It's fun. It's entertaining. But so you don't need to feel guilty about watching 24 or any shit like that. Schwarzenegger movies or fucking whatever, whatever you want to talk about. But you do, you should uh, spend some time thinking critically about it and understanding why, why it's, you know, bad and why it can be possibly harmful. So don't feel guilty, but do think critically about it. That's what I would say. Oh my gosh. Thank gosh. Uh, uh, Die Hard is uncanceled, everyone. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. I love it. Like, that think about, actually, I've been talking about this lady. Like, think, think about how many 80s movies 
are about like a cop who just wants to be able to beat the shit out of bad guys and the fucking internal affairs guys are always on his case <laughs> and they're always kind of you know up his ass about about using brut- brutality against suspects but you know doing whatever he wants just b- shooting people blowing them away in a right. crowded plaza and they're just like oh this can't can't believe they're getting on his case again the right. commish the commissioner is really up his ass it's like that's kind of messed up when you think about it that's kind of telling us some pretty harmful things but we can still enjoy it but just maybe oh, yeah. maybe think about think about the kind of stuff that that's trying to do to your brain before you enjoy it i would also say paw patrol is still canceled you can't do that to kids i mean that's just yeah don't try to yeah, you try to avoid and i have a kid i have a young Copaganda. kid five who I try to avoid it. I try to avoid it as much as possible. Sometimes it's not avoidable, but that's the thing because they can't really think. Yeah. They can't really think critically as much. So you have to tell them, you have to be like, you have to be like, you know, uh, Chase on Paw Patrol, he's just trying to protect private property. Like he's not. (laughs) (laughs) Get him young. That's, that's his whole role. You have to understand this. You have to understand that if working people are organizing and, and putting together a strike or a protest, you think Chase is going to be on the side of the working people? No, he's going to be on the side of the bosses. You have to understand this. Come on, Watch kid. Paw Patrol, but you have to think about this. Come on. Kid, you got to understand power. <laughs> <laughs> Who has the power in this relationship? Come on. Don't just, don't just stand Chase from Paw Patrol without thinking about it critically. Please. I don't know yeah. the names of the characters. This is funny. Oh, I know. I've, seen, I've watched a lot of Paw Patrol, man. You have no idea. All right. Yeah, they're kids, dude. All right. So, <laughs> all right. Next question is about a sound or a noise. Is there one, Rob, that you love? Um, I don't know. I guess. I guess. Talk. Going back to what we were talking about, um, the uh, the a, the synth sound from the Van Halen song "Jump." Oh, would be the sound. Yeah. Classic. Did you hear the one intro that they did that was like out of time a little bit? Like the intro, I don't know, like they squeezed it or it was too long or something. And it was like just out of key and it was like pre-recorded. And so when they all came in, there was like, there was just in a wonky, like half step away key. And it was so terrible. I've never heard that though. Was it from the eighties or was this, was this like like more recent? Yeah. Past five years or so. I have no idea. Um, but yeah, that's a good that's a good good synth sound. Like you know that sound from you. You don't even need to hear the. All you need to hear is the bop, and then the rest. Da, 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 you don't need to hear that. You know the song already. And if I can I, say another, this is probably cheating. But if I can say to. another synth sound, because I've not been listening to that lately. But one song that I've been listening to nonstop the last like this has always been one of my favorite songs. But like the last like two or three weeks, I, with music I become very obsessive, and I only listen to like a handful of songs for like weeks and at a time yeah. sometimes. And then maybe I'll move on. But the song Betty Davis Eyes by Kim Carnes, the synth, hmm. the synth in that song is like maybe the best, the best synth sound that's ever been like recorded. Uh, and one of my favorite songs, incredible pop song. And uh, so that's, if I could, it's kind of cheating to do two answers, I'm but not, I would say I'm that as mad. well. I'm, I'm only mm-hmm. mad about the, the cheese question. I just make it personal <laughs> about where you're from. Okay. Um, you can, yeah, you can feel free to go on. How about a, a sounds or noises or sound or noise that you hate or, or intensely dislike? If you, if you get hung up on the word hate, I don't want to skip the question. I'm oh. still seeing love in the, in the bottom part. I'm going to fire the graphics oh, there we guy. Go. You're yeah. fired. I'm hired again. You don't have to put up with that, man. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> if you're going to work for I, Dan Simpson, you're going to have to like be on the ball because... We're talking with this is a big leagues here. A sound that I hate, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh I don't know, Dan. Yeah, stupid. It's a stupid question. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. I don't know. I just put like there's there. lots of sounds. I don't know. You so know, stupid. whatever. Yeah. Right. Okay, I hate that sound, right? Okay. How about yeah. then? Yeah, it's fucking past it. <laughs> All right. Now we're to the cheese question. And if you were raised in Wisconsin, you get two answers. Uh, or, or if you've spent a good deal of time in france you get three answers otherwise everyone gets one answer here well i'm technically i mean i have french ancestry and i live in quebec which is predominantly french so i don't know if that counts as me for it feels like it counts <laughs> how about well, this? The you have three answers yeah it counts <laughs> i don't have i don't have a lot of pretensions about food either the same thing with my guilty pleasures right you know it's not like i'm pretentious about this i do i'll like a nice cheese i'll like a nice brie sometimes you get some brie a little like a cracker or baguette and one of those like Italian meats, like one of those special fancy salamis or a, the, 
what is it, prosciutto? Get some some prosciutto on there. That's good. I also just like a big solid brick of American cheese as well. I enjoy sure. that. Nothing wrong with it. On a burger, I don't want to put a brie or a, a chev on a burger. I want a nice big square slice American cheese. So yeah, I think you got to be able to, you got to have diversity when it comes to this kind of stuff. All right. I love it. Love it. Um, then Rob, this is bringing us to the reincarnation question, which is if you re- were reincarnated, reincarnated, where's the syllable I'm supposed to emphasize? Um, if you were reincarnated as some other plant or a, or a non-animal, a non-human animal, sorry, um, what would you choose? I'm going to go with a capybara. Oh, they're so cute. Uh, you know, have you seen those like those videos of all the capybaras? They're hanging out with all their capybara bros in the little steamy bath <laughs> with like citrus fruits floating around. They look very peaceful, very content, noble even, noble and wise. You know, the the noble capybara. I think that would be my answer. All right, let's just let everyone know. I don't have the video here, but this will do. Yeah, this is me. <laughs> this is me you. and who? Me, Dude. me and who? <laughs> oh my gosh look at them in a, there's so many they're, they're just straight chill they're pretty chill <laughs> yeah, exactly look that guy you know we human beings we've created this whole fake, like econ- economy system we all have to work our whole fucking lives it was like you know it's we can't just go and eat we have got to go and work at some stupid job and get money to go to the store and you know it's all the things we want to do we don't have time for it look at this guy's got it figured out this guy's just relaxing he looks so at peace. He doesn't have to worry about his job. It's not like Sunday and he's thinking like, oh God, it's work tomorrow. I got to get this presentation. Some fucking client's going to be mad at me about some inane bullshit that I have to think about, some spreadsheet. He's not thinking about any of that stuff. He's perfectly at peace. Feels great. Um, that's that's what I want to be. I think that's what we should all strive for. <laughs> it's like sort of cute in a way, like undeniably cute. Yeah, I think that definitely helps, you know, to get people to uh, wait on you hand and foot and give you little strawberries and float them in a hot bath for you. Dear God, I'd love to give him a little ear scratchy <laughs> as well. I mean, I'm sure he wouldn't appreciate that a little yes. ear scratchy. He'd probably he'd probably be like, "Thank you," but he wouldn't move. You know, he would just be like, he would be like, "Of course, you're giving me an ear scratch." Yes, because that's what you're here for. That's what you're. And that's I feel like the attitude that we should all be having about this. Oh my gosh! All right, bro. I love the capybara. Um, next, <laughs> the noble capybara, the noble, the chill. Uh, so what would God say if, if you went to heaven and, and number one, heavens, you know, it exists and God exists. Uh, what would you like them to say? <laughs> and that's so profound, Dan. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I would just, I would like to believe that I've had some kind of positive impact on people's lives, especially when it comes to like my son and my kids. Uh, I would like to believe that I've had some kind of positive impact on their life and making sure that they're like happy and feel supported. You know, if that's, if, if I can just accomplish that, mm-hmm. um, I would feel pretty, pretty satisfied with that. If even just one person, um, you know, I was talking about it on the other day on the stream about how you can kind of point to those moments with certain teachers that maybe started, started you on this path um, that maybe you wouldn't have seen otherwise. Um, I was talking about my history teacher in 12th grade who kind of pointed me, started getting me on the idea of like that fact that the America, that America was like not the good guy of the world and that America is kind of messed up. And when you look at what their values and priorities are, which kind of started me going like, huh, starting asking these kind of questions. So I think sometimes, you know, if I can have that kind of impact on even like one person, if I could start asking some critical questions about the way things work, uh, I would feel pretty satisfied with that if I could have if I could have any minor kind of impact on any one sort of development or their education or anything like that. I'd be perfectly satisfied with that. It's lovely, Ron. And then, uh, how about an influential leftist? Uh, they can be dead or alive. Uh, someone that you would like to meet. Well, I've uh, I've already said Parenti. You know what? I'm going to say Lenin. Hey, yeah. I'd love to hang out with Lenin, and Lenin yeah. would be great now like if lenin was alive today would be a great poster i think he'd be great on all this stuff i think that's the funniest thing about when you start to read like you know read state and revolution or or read the things that lenin wrote he's like a funny guy he's like a funny dude okay and i think we've got because of part of because of part of propaganda and part of just for other reasons i think we've been led to believe that a lot of these like influential communist figures are these like tyrannical madmen or authoritarians or terrible people and it's kind of when you read the stuff that they wrote it kind of kind of helps to undermine that 
that message. And we realize that this is like a real person. They've got like funny friends that they fuck around with and, you know, uh, petty beefs that Lennon's always going on about all the people that, that bug him. Um, and I think a lot of the stuff when you read as when you read Lennon, it's, it's so, um, it's so relevant to a lot of stuff that's happening right now. And, uh, it's still so, so it sounds modern, even in the way it's written. It's, and it's, it's so, uh, it can really help, uh, help you sort of understand the way things that, uh, a lot about the way things work currently, even though, you know, it was, it was written, you know, hundred years ago now. Uh, so that's what I would say. I would say, uh, bring back Lennon, uh, hang out with him. It'd be fun. All right. So, uh, let's say you brought back Lennon and, uh, cleaned them up. I don't know. Took a shower. Um, let's say you had an imaginary conversation. What, what would, what, what would, you, how would that go? You know, you can imagine that going any way you like, got some suggestions there in the, in the Google doc. Um, yeah, feel free to take that any, any direction you, you like, you can ask them an imaginary question. What would they say? Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what, what you would say. I yeah. think like I was saying before, I think mm-hmm. this has been a disillusioning time the last like year and a half. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of hope and a lot of promise that maybe like we could really start to have a serious impact in the way that things happen in America and elsewhere. I was really thinking this this could you know start something really important that could carry us through the next decade. As you know, we're facing these like very serious crises, the climate crisis. Uh, our our economic system is constantly in uh, in free fall and going through these different crises and recoveries. Um, so it would be interesting to speak to someone who. Um, successfully organized a revolution and successfully like managed to create this whole new experiment in the way that a country can work in a way that, and what the way this stuff works. Uh, I would be interested in his perspective on just like what we're supposed to do now, you know, cause it's, like I said, it's disillusioning. It's dis- it's been disillusioning to have a lot of the things that we were really hoping for really not work out and um, feel a little bit, a lot less attainable than they maybe felt, you know, even a couple, even a year or two ago. Uh, it's hard to know where we're supposed to go from here. So I think getting his perspective on that would be kind of interesting. I don't know if he'd have all the answers, but I, I'm sure he would have plenty of interesting insights about our modern world and, and uh, the way things have gone for the last uh, hundred years and the way things are going uh, in the next couple of decades as well. All right, Rob. Then. All right. Now you get to name. Uh, you've already mentioned state and revolution, maybe a couple more along the way. You can name more, or you can just uh, let us know which, what your favorite leftist book is. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I've already said Black Shirts and Red, so I would, I would just stick with that. Because okay. uh, I yeah. just really think that it, it Black Shirts and Reds is so pertinent in order to, like, understanding the historical lens. This is one thing, Dan, that I've really been trying to, like, dive into. I said I've kind of, like, I've been a little bit disillusioned. I don't really have the answers. I've really been trying to dive into history lately and learning about the history of like colonialism, especially. And you realize that like, we're still kind of living under the same economic system that's been perpetuating itself for the last several hundred years or several thousand years, depending on how you want to go back. Um, But just basically understanding, you know, the ways that um, our whole society in terms of our education system and our media has been oriented towards like anti-communist propaganda through our whole lives Parenti's a really that that book in particular is a really good way of like seeing through that kind of level of propaganda that we're all exposed to, um, and especially pointing out the ways that it's in fact our economic and and imperial system that is that is violent and uh, and so exploitative and just like taking all these kind of crimes of these colonialist colonialist governments and capitalist governments. And realizing that we're still the same sort of people are in charge and the same economic system is still in place, I think is really valuable. Uh, and just in, again, in terms of like cutting through this, uh, this really profound level of, of anti-communist propaganda that we're all exposed to from the time we're kids, um, mm-hmm. Black Shirts and Reds is a great way to do that. Hey. Good shit. Black Shirts and Reds. Uh, another book to put on top of my list and I don't have enough time to read any of them. <laughs> okay uh yeah. i've been i've been honestly struggling to, frankly like i need to read read way more of this stuff uh i've been struggling just to find the time to do it as well i mean it's difficult to find the time um another book i will just mention that i just read Please. last week because i i, be, I became i became very obsessed with vietnam over the last couple of weeks i've been thinking mm-hmm. about vietnam the vietnam war with the united states and also the history of like 
colonialist exploitation in Vietnam, which led to the Vietnam War. Um, so I read this book, The Sorrow of War, which is by uh, a, a North Vietnamese author. It's basically an, a, an account of the war like from the North Vietnamese perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's not really a political book. It's kind of apolitical. This guy is like, he's, I think he's kind of disillusioned with politics after the like horror and, and absolutely disgusting, uh, terrible shit that this guy was forced to participate in and witness over the last 10, over 10 years of his life from like 65 to 75. But uh, it is just a really interesting book, especially when you kind of understand the levels of, of depravity and, and war and violence that we often export to these other countries. And we take for granted, I think, the uh, what we inflict on these countries, like, like Afghanistan is another example, right? We're just talking about Afghanistan this week because this 20-year occupation is possibly coming to an end, probably not. And I think when we're living here in Canada and the United States in the Imperial Corps, our only kind of understanding of these wars is through our own troops. And when we see w- movies about this kind of stuff, it's the movies are about from our troops perspectives and we really understand the trauma that they went through. But I think it's important for all of us to understand the level of depravity and violence that we inflict on other people mm-hmm. uh, and other cultures that have to live with this. Like we don't, we don't have these wars happening in our backyards, right? They happen mm-hmm. around the world, halfway around the world. And so it's really important to get that kind of perspective and realize the level of violence uh, that people are forced to like live with. And also the way that this level of violence and depravity gets kind of normalized. Uh, and when in a place, when a place like Vietnam or, or Southeast Asia, you know, Cambodia, Laos, Vietnam, however, you know, decades, these places were just the, the turmoil and depravity and violence was just ongoing. And you realize that throughout that time, there was millions of people in that area, just going about their daily lives and trying to meek out an existence um, and it's, I think it's hard to understand that it's hard to wrap your mind around that. And you have to read that kind of perspective in order to truly grasp that. Sorrow of war. All right, Rob, we have, uh, just about five minutes to go through a couple more things real quickly. Uh, so I'm very long winded. No, I'm not. I don't, I don't want you to be worried. Um, I'll tell you what, we, we, we could take this five, 10, 10, probably like 10 minutes max, maybe even a couple minutes past the hour. My next guest, I think will be, I, I can, I, my next guest is also a Rob. You, you're, y'all are very flexible. Um, hey, right. there we go. There you go. Uh, how about streamer tips, tips and tricks for beginners, veterans? I think the main thing, and this is the, this kind of goes back to what I was saying before. The main thing is that like, if it's something that you're interested in getting into, not just streaming, but even like podcasting, writing, anything like that, you just have to kind of start somewhere. You have to stop finding excuses to not do the thing that you want to do and just do it after a certain point. Um, that's the main thing. And also just continuing to do it, not just being like, okay, I tried this thing that I want to do. I did it two or three times. It didn't turn into this big, amazing thing that I was hoping for. So I'm just going to like not do it. You have to kind of just continually go back week in, week out and just keep doing it, keep putting in the work to get better at the thing you're trying to do and also to build an audience. Mm-hmm. And it was the same thing with me with podcasting, right? It's like I, I, I was listening to a lot of podcasts and I always thought to myself, man, it would be really cool to be able to have a podcast and be able to kind of do that kind of stuff. But it's the same kind of thing where it's like, well, wait, why, how would I even start? Like, look at all these people that are successful doing that. I can never dream of getting up to that point. But eventually, you know, I just got to the point where it's like, well, I'm just going to start doing this thing. And I'm just going to, I became very singular focused on like just doing this week in, week out and making sure that I got out a podcast every single week. Um, and lo and behold, like when you get, take that attitude to it, well, it's like, well, now I've been doing it two and a half years and I've done hundreds of episodes of podcasts. I've got tons of experience. I made tons of connections. I put out all kinds of interesting stuff that I think people have gotten something out of. Uh, so that's the main thing, whether it's streaming or anything, you have to start, you have to start doing the thing that you want to do. Um, stop making excuses about it. And then you just have to keep going back to it. Uh, keep going back and continuing to do the work, uh, put in the work to improve yourself and get better and try and build the thing you're trying to build. Excellent advice, Rob. Really appreciate it. I uh, really have appreciated having you on today. We're not quite Do you know done. what streamer tip that I don't follow myself is I don't look into the camera enough. I'm realizing really? throughout this interview, I don't look into the camera. I'm looking at it's you hard. It's on hard. the screen. Yeah. And I do this a lot when I'm streaming myself too. I don't look into the camera, which I need to get better at myself. So I'm going to, Try now and focus on looking into the camera as it's if I'm hard, speaking dude. to you and the audience. This is the one thing I struggle with. Some people are really comfortable with it and 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 uh, they they make it look really good. Uh, and uh, you know, I think there's a way to get more comfortable with it. I've I've stuck you like as close to my camera as I possibly can. So That's I'm, a good idea. I'm yeah. sort of hoping I'm fooling people sometimes. Um, <laughs> yeah, Rob. So this is great. Uh, good shit right there. 
So now this uh, brings us to the end of my questions for you. What we can do is uh, uh, go to your questions. If you have any questions for me, you can ask. You don't have to. I just uh, I don't it doesn't need to be entirely one sided. And uh, maybe if there are any questions from chat that you're willing to answer, I can uh, uh, read those off to you and you can pass or, or take it. Um, OK, well, about you, how did sure. you, Dan, yeah. get involved in this whole crazy world of streaming and commentary and this kind of stuff? What was your political journey like? I don't know about this. Yeah, cool. So I'll try to do this quickly. I uh, I don't know, you know, definitely lib uh, uh, throughout my high school and then, you know, uh, college life years uh, in, in engaging in lots of sort of uh, liberal sort of, uh, you know, even almost left, you know, neoliberal, uh, 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 almost sock dem, probably media type stuff that, you know, I felt like I was on a moving pathway left, but it never really quite delivered me to what I now consider the left, which is, you know, anti-capitalism, anti-imperialism, anti-colonialism, etc. Um, I, I didn't understand those concepts. I didn't understand the difference between the left and, and a liberal. And it was really pretty much learning the differences between those things, asking myself whether or not capitalism can be reformed or whether it needs to be abolished. Same with the cops, same with the Senate and uh, electoral college, you know, things like that. Um, you know, a lot of these things, um, you know, they need to go away. And uh, in, in, it was sort of the journey of uh, me being uncomfortable with things like defund the police, that kind of language, and eventually, you know, embracing terms like abolish the police. Like it was, it's sort of that journey. And it's been me being here on Twitch for the past probably six, eight, seven, eight months specifically. I started almost a year ago, but I did some music in there for a bit uh, uh, with Twitch Sings. I don't know if you remember Twitch Sings. It was a lot of fun. But um, I eventually, I was like, all right, I do want to talk about politics. I have a lot to say. I can't just do, you know, I, I, I got to do the thing where I say what I want to say. And I was inspired by a couple other streamers along the way. And uh, I decided to give it a shot. And, um, you know, I've also been producing a Kenzo Shibata show, Meet the Left, for almost 30 weeks. And that's just been a good opportunity for me to uh, expose myself to a wide variety and a diversity of, of leftist, important leftist voices uh, and you know, that's sort of what I do now. I try to, uh, uh, um, I, I try to realize that I'm a cis straight white male who's a new leftist. And I sort of, I got to realize that I got to know my place as I join this community. So this channel has been an exploration of that. Recently, I've been inspired by Kenzo Shibata, who I consider to be uh, a mentor. His mentor was uh, Karen Lewis, uh, the, uh, I believe, CEO, actually, of the Chicago Teachers Union when Rahm Emanuel uh, shut down 50 schools. And I was a school teacher at that time, a Chicago public school teacher. And so, you know, it was my first uh, oh wow! Uh, yeah, I, I strike. I striked with with uh, with the teachers for a week, and that was my first labor struggle. <laughs> but I, again, and talk time, about was... uh, talk about political journeys too. Rahm Emanuel yeah. was a big Obama guy too, and you realize like what how how real conservative that that group mm -hmm. of guys were, and how they kind of like pulled the wool over a lot of people's eyes, right? Yeah. So um, I I, I don't know. The journey left has honestly been on the stream people watched me do it and i became a marxist not by reading theory but by watching videos of people who have <laughs> and now i realize like okay okay it's time for me to stop being a baby leftist uh, and and grow up and read more theory not that anyone has to you're not kicked out of the movement if you don't read your marks i've never read marks i'm reading someone who's who read marks and they're distilling it for me hadas tears is uh, her her people's guide to capitalism uh so it's uh, yeah, I'm trying to find what I'm able to read and, and what I can actually comprehend. I tried reading the Communist Manifesto. I'm like, what the fuck is this? There's a specter haunting Europe. What is going on? <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. So Very nice. I didn't realize you were a teacher. You a That's cool. Journey. I'm sorry? I didn't realize you were a teacher. That's cool. I did a little music. I was a music teacher. Yeah. I, uh, okay. I thought I'd be a, chor a choral director. And then I ended up teaching uh, general music and I built the students a silent music lab with 30 brand new silent guitars and keyboards. And I couldn't get anyone interested. And then they cut music <laughs> from the entire program. And then the school did music. <laughs> so I'm actually sort of glad to be out of there. It's, it's, yeah, that's a red flag that I should have been gone a long time ago, but yeah, it's, it's, it's sad, obviously uh, that that's the case. Yeah. 
Um, let me see if I'm seeing any questions from chat. I'm not seeing any chat. Let me know if you have any questions for Rob. We got about two minutes, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go. Any other questions from you, Rob? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm an open boat, dude. I don't think so, man. Cool. Okay. <laughs> well, then, Rob, dude, you've been an absolutely wonderful guest. I think we'll let you go. You've, um, you know, I've invited you here, like I mentioned, in the spirit of building leftist unity, strength, and power. In that spirit, you've been truly great. I think um, we've planted a lot of seeds. Looking forward to getting back to uh, uh, hopefully in a in a future chat. Uh, so, yeah. Well, thanks uh, for doing this, Dan. I just wanted buddy. to say also before, yes. but if I can leave you with this, yes, please. Um, I do appreciate the work you're doing right now, uh, trying to bring people together like this. Absolutely. One thing that I've really, really tried to avoid as much as possible yeah. is getting involved in like the online petty feuds and infighting and that kind of shit. Mm. Uh, I really hate it. I think it's really counterproductive. It makes yeah. me feel bad to see it uh, going on. I don't like it. So uh, I appreciate the work that you're doing, trying to bring people together and trying to be a part more of a positive force. That's kind of how I see what my role could possibly be uh, is trying to do, do that, right? Trying to bring people yeah. together, trying to be someone that's not going to be divisive. And, and I just, I hate that shit. So I'm glad that you're doing this kind of stuff. Oh, that's really nice of you to say. I appreciate that. Uh, and uh, honestly, that's why you're a perfect guest. And uh, I really, truly hope we'll be able to bring you back on. Well, Rob, uh, we'll go ahead and uh, let you go. Um, you know, peace and solidarity, buddy. Take care, man. All right, next time. A la prochaine. Okay, that's okay. It looks like it's broken, but it's not. <laughs> hey, listener. You just heard an episode of Leftist and Chill, the show you never knew you didn't need but still can't live without, the podcast version. Content like this is only made with the support of listeners like yourself. Please support at patreon.com slash idansimpson today.